Doran the Brave, his axe blade glistening like a crescent moon. Stormdreamer the Bold, his voice a clarion of war. Fionn the Wondrous, calling the earth itself to her aid. And Tosca the Shrouded, commander of shadows. They were the saviors of Mira, the answer to an impossible question, Aiden's champions against the heretic gods. With this monument, we honor the names, the deeds, the legacy of the Miraculous Four. Inscription on the placard of the Miraculous Four, a statue in the heart of Mira. <sighs> From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exesor, Season 2, Episode 2, Black Sun. After the production, the Queen, Stormdreamer, and I took a carriage back to Songwake Manor. Carving through the city's narrow, winding streets, we crossed a drawbridge over the River of Victory onto an isolated sandstone outcrop. The manor rested there, sporting grand, convex walls with circular cutouts in the windows and outdoor walkways. Two dozen columns supported an awning over the promenade. They were asymmetrical due to the terrain. The architect used this to his advantage, adding an avant-garde slope to the awning, curving it like a kind of massive scimitar. The Queen's Guard led us through the gate, and we followed Her Majesty through the promenade. Clouds darkened overhead, covering the stars. It began to drizzle. The walkway was flanked by fountains and pools of colorful fish, their tranquil swimming interrupted by needles of rain. Everything was pristine. I stepped carefully, half afraid I would break something by breathing too hard. Stormdreamer had a different approach. He sauntered through casually, as though he expected no lesser treatment. He yawned and stretched his midnight-colored wings, staring idly at the architecture. On the road to the manor, I had tried to find an organic way to bring up the Inquisitor with him. Most of our carriage ride's conversation had been dominated by the Kikte boasting his accomplishments. Rava di Tazokenos is my magnum opus, he said. Well, one of them. I also performed a review of Lord Sonos XIV's repertoire at the Galleria. And of course there was my one-man show where I played a fright inhabiting my own body. The queen had humored him in silence. I'd gotten the impression that small talk was the expectation, until we could get to the business at hand. I marveled at the sheer stamina of his self-absorption. This was a member of the Miraculous Four? The group that saved Mira from terrorists armed with Alzarian weapons? The group that fought a silver sister and lived? The same group that Tosca once joined? I was also still trying to process everything I'd learned about the assignment. 
a secret Alzerian ruin, miles below Widow's Ridge. Kikte forces from Azenra, threatening war. And one man who supposedly saw proof of a connection. Proof that drove him insane. We entered the squared emerald double doors into a tasteful foyer, surprisingly understated, with just a few oil paintings decorating the oak and emerald stucco walls. Rows of immaculate potted plants made one feel as if they'd never stepped indoors. A sweeping grand staircase with marbled citrine steps led up to the second and third floors. Denarthi spends most of his time in the study on the third floor, the queen said. He is under constant watch until this situation is resolved. You allow a madman to reside where you sleep, Storm Dreamer scoffed. His brazen tone startled me. A normal man might have hanged for as much. The queen deflected his comment with a patronizing smile. Denarthi's illness is not a crime, and he has nowhere else to go. With the claims he is making, I felt it was best to keep him close. She lifted her hand towards the staircase. Would you like to use your considerable charm to help Mr. Von Der question him? Stormdreamer returned the smile like a fencer's parry. He looked at me, perhaps for the first time, with vested interest. You never told me what your vocation is, Mr. Von Der. You never let me, I wanted to say. Consider me a consultant. No reason to be coy. I would know who I am dealing with if we are to be working together. As would I. All due respect, Storm Dreamer, but I know little about you except for your resume, impressive as it is. Of course, I am very talented. The Kikte gave a wide smile. His teeth were white as fresh snow. And I did not achieve success by being sloppy. I pour my all into my work whether I am in the spotlight or the shadows. Theatre is a collaborative effort, Von Der. A production is only as strong as its weakest link. Luckily, this isn't theatre. This is politics. Storm Dreamer chuckled. I see I have my work cut out for me. Thunder groaned outside. The wind was beginning to pick up. It was Storm Dreamer's turn to gesture for the stairway. I listened to the commotion outside, briefly wondering at the significance of his name. The queen rolled her eyes and turned from us. Alga Katria, she said, a phrase I believed meant good luck. I'll be having a nightcap in the sitting room when you're through. I'm eager to hear whether the end of the world is coming. Queen Songwake was an only child. Wartime and the stress of rule kept her mother from marrying or having children until she was much older. Many of her relatives were thought to have been killed or driven from the country during the Urso rebellions. Aside from her guards and retainers, there was no one to fill the dozens of rooms of Songwake Manor. Most of the floor looked like a museum installation, pretty, well-kept, and utterly empty. The only life on this floor was the study, where two guards stood watch at the door. Stormdreamer and I approached, and the guard stood aside. Is he expecting us? I asked the guards. They shot each other a glance. The one to my right pursed his lips and shook his head. Between you and I, sir, 
I'm not entirely sure he knows where he is right now. We can go with you if you like, said the guard to my left. Though I must say, he's been a model guest. Besides all this strange stuff he says, that is. I shot Stormdreamer a glance. My left hand rested on the phantom ring on my right ring finger. We can take it from here, thank you, I told the guards. We opened the door. The study was hexagonal, walls brimming with books on sturdy oak shelves. The furthest corners formed an alcove with tall windows, where one could sit and read while feeling immersed in the scenery of the mansion's fields. It was dark. A single lamplight from the alcove drew us in. It rested upon a small walnut coffee table, revealing the downpour outside, and the silhouette of a bedraggled man watching us. Stormdreamer shut the door behind us. I stepped forward, taking care to keep my distance. Denarthi's features were difficult to make out in the distance. In the weak light, his gaunt face looked like a melted mannequin. He was a scarecrow, standing just outside the lamplight, his skinny, jagged body clothed in tattered rags. His eyes were ice blue, and glinted like sapphires lost in some monster's den. We greet you gladly, sir, I said respectfully. I am Claude Von Der, a consultant for Her Majesty. This is Stormdreamer of the Miraculous Four. Denarthi shook his head slowly. I'm afraid not, he said. His voice was airy and scratched like a beach wind skimming the mouth of a glass bottle. I arched my brow. Pardon? Denarthi turned from us and stared at the rain outside. He seemed utterly indifferent to our existence. The lamplight afforded me a glimpse at the back of his head. Large patches of his long, frizzled hair were missing. Perhaps he'd pulled it out himself. I cleared my throat. <clears> throat> Sir, we have been informed of your ordeal. I can't imagine what you've gone through. We are here to help, if we can. We'd like to ask you some questions about the blueprint you found, and that draw- Words, Denarthi interrupted. Words, symbols, sounds. Everything falls. His words cast a pall over the study. I fell silent. What was he trying to say? Before I could respond, Stormdreamer strode past me, crossing directly to the alcove. He faced Denarthi on the opposite side of the lamplight. You came all this way for attention, and now you have it. I am a busy man. Pray you do not test my patience. What do you know about Widow's Ridge? Silence. Denarthi continued to stare out in stillness. I wanted to motion for Stormdreamer to step back. Before I could, the Kikte reached his hand up and wrapped the glass right next to Denarthi's face. Hey! Stormdreamer barked. I said, what do you know about... Denarthi turned his head to Stormdreamer. The Kikte stumbled back, 
his wings slamming against the alcove's side window, scattering nearby books off their shelves. I could not see what happened. It was too dark from where I was standing. Denarthy made no other movement other than to stare. Stormdreamer regained his composure, though he now seemed much less certain of the situation. Slowly, I stepped closer. My right fist clenched, and I kept the image of a shadow blade in the back of my mind, in case I had need to summon it quickly. I joined Stormdreamer opposite Denarthy, and saw what the light revealed. Where patches of hair were missing from Denarthy's head, so too were patches of his face. The skin was freshly peeled off his left cheek. His ear was mangled and torn, tiny zigzagging cuts, as though it were done with fingernails instead of a blade. The corners of his lips were near chewed off by his own teeth, and crimson streaks dribbled down his chin. And underneath his left eye, scratched into the lid, were three red dots in a line. All of the wounds looked new, as though they had been done in the minutes prior to our arrival. We need to call a healer, Stormdreamer breathed. He made for the door, but I stopped him with my hand. I met Denarthi's eyes. Where before I saw indifference, now there was intention, desperation, a yearning to communicate. Denarthi's bloody mouth opened and closed limply, as though he wanted to say something but could not find the words. You knew we were coming, I said. You want to tell us what you know, but something is stopping you. Denarthi nodded. Black sun. The arrows. The arrows live. They... They... Seek the bowmen. Shaking, he raised his left hand, tapping a scarlet-stained finger on the three dots of his eyelid. As he spoke... I felt a frustration rising inside of him. Moreover, I felt fear, a trepidation in his words, as though saying the wrong thing would set off a trap of some kind. Denarthi, I said carefully, what you've seen, do you think it was a fright? I'm afraid not, he said, though it felt more like wrote repetition than an actual statement. Words. Symbols. Sounds. Flowers for the bride. Everything f false. I rolled up my sleeve, showing Denarthi the mark of the ebon mist on my right forearm. I would like to try something, with your permission, I said softly. Denarthi's eyes fixed on the mark. His breathing hastened, in and out harshly through his nose. He looked like a child, fearful of a healer's needle. I know it's frightening, I whispered, but I will be here. I will protect you. Denarthi hesitated, then nodded softly. 
his eyes did not leave the mark. Gingerly, I placed my hand on his arm. I'm going to say a few words, I warned. Then it's going to start glowing, all right? No response. Denarthy's breathing slowed, but he continued to stare. Stormdreamer looked on from the side, curious and apprehensive. I took a deep breath. Thunder crackled outside. I am Claude Vondaire. I am kin of the Ebon Mist. I would have audience with the spirits of this. Denarthy looked straight at me. We know who you are. Lightning flashed. I stumbled back, shielding my eyes. Everything fell silent. The rain, the thunder, the commotion of the mansion outside the study. The flare of the lightning did not fade. Instead, everything appeared ice blue and cracked, like I was viewing it from a broken shard of glass. I had been taken to the shade. I squinted around me. Stormdreamer was frozen in time, just barely flinching in reaction to the lightning. In front of me, though, Denarthy stood straight and smiled at me with a gaping, red-toothed grin. He looked altogether changed. Gone was the fear, the frailty, replaced instead with a heaving, animalistic hunger. His body twitched and jerked about, like several forces vied for control of various parts of him. The face, though, stared me down with a precise aggression like a wolf upon a maimed doe. You have so many names, the thing inside Denarthy said. Rowan of Shellcross, Oren Lan, Klaus Ashroth. So many words, so many symbols, so many sounds you hide behind. I summoned my phantom blade and aimed it at the creature. This did not feel like a parlay. Who are you? I demanded. The laugh that came from Denarthy's body was a chorus of voices in different octaves. <laughs> we are not here, kindred. This fragile form could not contain our power. What you see here is but a touch of our finger. What have you done to Denarthy? Leashed him. We take his words. We lace their meaning with fire. We burn his throat. We teach him, as we will teach all before the end. I won't allow it. Your desires are inconsequential. We exist in the space between the sounds. We are the truth that escapes the words. You will see in time, Claude Vaudaire. Denarthy smiled wider, impossibly wide, to the point where his skin threatened to tear. You and yours. How... how do you know so much about me? We do not, nor do you. There are only words, Claude Vaudaire. They comfort you from the truth beyond. 
we wonder what remains of you when the words fail. And with that, the ice blue of the shade melted away, and I found myself again in the physical plane. Time started up again. Rain fell and thunder cried. Denarthy doubled over, wailing and sobbing and scratching at his face. Storm Dreamer did a double take, staring at us like he'd missed something. What in the pit happened, Vondere? he asked. I went to Denarthy and rolled him onto his back. He seemed himself again, but shaken from the experience with the creature. When he met my eyes, he remained distraught, but gained a fraction of composure. Black sun! Black sun! he chanted, rocking back and forth. Storm Dreamer, I said, go fetch a healer. After he's been seen to, I need to take Denarthy with me to my superiors. One second we are questioning him, then another he is on the ground screaming. What did you do to him? I will explain, I promise, but right now I believe he is in danger. My superior will... And that is who, exactly? I am to simply take your word? The Queen hired us both, Storm Dreamer. You can trust me. The Queen has been wrong before. Just fetch a healer, not until you tell me who... Storm Dreamer! Everything all right in there? It was the guard. Yes, I called, eyeing Storm Dreamer. Could one of you out there fetch a healer, please? I'm sorry, sir. I can't hear you. Denarthy is hurt. We need someone to... What, sir? I can hardly hear you. Dean's scorching hands, Storm Dreamer cursed. He went to the door and wrenched it open. He said we need a... Something slammed into the Kikte's stomach. He doubled over, revealing a hulking man in black leather armor and a black cloth mask. He was standing over the still bodies of the two guards, laying on the floor of the hallway. In his hands was a war axe longer than my body. As he entered the room, my eyes landed on the three scrolls poking out of a leather container slung around his belt. One of them shimmered in the reflection of the lamplight. The blueprint. From outside the study, I heard Queen Songwake's voice. Stop him! Von Der, they're here for the- As I stood to defend myself, from behind me I heard a deafening crash. I fell over and looked behind me. Something had shattered the alcove windows. Repelling into the study were two more figures, a human and a draylish, dressed like the man with the axe and wearing the same black masks. The human pulled out what appeared to be a long, carved stick. They pointed it at Denarthy. The cracks within the stick glowed with an emerald light. Suddenly, the wood panels of the study floor ripped open, curling around Denarthy and wrapping him in a bind. The human flicked the device upward, and the wood panels floated into the air, carrying Denarthy with them. The human took hold of the rope outside, and swung, dragging their quarry with them. I summoned my phantom crossbow and ran towards the window. The Draylish stopped me, striking my wrist hard. I yelled, releasing the crossbow momentarily. It dissipated into smoke. I tried to summon it again, but the Draylish kicked me in the stomach and forced me crashing into the bookshelves. I groaned. My weak ribcage pulsed. Forcing myself to focus, I summoned a phantom sword and armor. I lunged at the Draylish, who dodged deftly to the side. The Draylish then kicked my leg out, forcing me to kneel, then spun around and kicked me in the face. I fell over, plunging into the hole in the floor left by the human's strange device. The floor beneath us held a drawing room, 
with an open piano directly below me. I let go of the sword in order to grab hold of the edge of the study floor. Above me, I watched all three masked figures make for the window. Taking hold of the floorboards with both hands, I hauled myself back onto the third floor, just in time to see them disappear from sight. To my right, Storm Dreamer was struggling to rise. Footsteps pounded down the hallway, and soon after I saw Queen Songwig with reinforcements in the doorway. They took the prince! She shouted. They took Denarthy. I panted. Sprinting for the window, I jumped out and seized the rope the thieves had used. I swung out and dangled a moment, trying to get my bearings in the wind and the rain. Below me I saw the three of them saddling up on horses. The large man with the axe took one, while the smaller figures took another. Denarthy floated alongside them, screaming. The horses looked well-fed and groomed, and had bridles and saddles of purple and gold. Stolen from the stables, I thought. The thieves kicked at the horses. They shot up on their hind legs and neighed before bolting. There was no way I would be able to catch up with them once they sped off. But the horses were not at full gallop yet. There was a chance I could slow them down. I summoned my crossbow again and aimed for the thieves carrying Denarthy. I had a straight shot downward, but the wind and the rain would make it difficult. I said a mental prayer for forgiveness as I sent a phantom bolt flying towards the horse's hindquarters. It missed. Cursing, I released the rope and fell towards the thieves. The horse took off running, and I was barely able to grab hold of the Draelish's collar before hitting the mud beneath them. The Draelish tumbled with me, crashing on top of my body and rolling aside. I scrambled to stand. Above me, I saw a storm dreamer fly out the study window. I pointed to the two horses, now speeding towards the manor gate. A section of guards on horseback rushed to meet them at the gate. The human carrying Denarthy pointed her emerald stick at a nearby tree. The earth rumbled, as the tree was ripped from the ground and tilted over, careening towards the gate. The soldiers dispersed, as the tree landed hard on the gate, forming a slope from the ground. Another flick from the device, and great indents formed along the tree's trunk, in the shape of crude stairs. I was so awestruck by the sight, I failed to notice Storm Dreamer had landed right next to me. I gaped at him. What are you doing? They're getting away. Oh, he's well aware, came the Draelish's voice. I halted. I recognized that voice. No. The Draelish lifted her mask. In all the panic, I hadn't noticed the horns intertwined like braids and curled over her head. I saw the Draelish's yellow, pupilless eyes, her gray skin and black hair. She gave me a familiar, devilish grin with her razor-sharp teeth. Tuska, I said. We've got to stop meeting like this, Von Dare, she said with a chuckle. How? I said. Slowly, my mind put it together. I looked over at Storm Dreamer. Then you... I am afraid this is where we part ways, Claude von der, Storm Dreamer said, standing next to Tosca. Denarthy is under the protection of the Miraculous Four. Protection? He's always so cute when he doesn't know what's going on, Tosca said. Cheer up, dear. At least I'm working with the good guys this time. Listen to me, I said. There's something wrong with Denarthy. 
Whatever your plan is, you need my help. We know where to find you, Stormdreamer winked. And with that, the Kikte took Tosca in his arms and flapped his black and blue wings. The force from the wings pushed the air and rainfall into my face, and I fell backwards into the mud. Wait, I called out. Stormdreamer! Tosca! They didn't respond. As they lifted into the air, I impulsively reached for my pouch of raven dust. Before they could take off completely, I hurled the pouch at Tosca. It hit her in the chest and exploded, covering her in the black dust. Tosca coughed and sputtered, and the two of them soared into the sky, far beyond the reaches of the manor. I looked to the gate. The other members of the four had finished their climb up the tree's steps and vanished with the Narthi, leaving only the horses behind. I pushed myself up, sloughing the caked mud off my clothes. In the distance, I heard guardsmen shouting to form parties to search for the thieves. A moment later, Queen Songwake rounded the corner on horseback with her queen's guard. Her guard spotted me, and she galloped over. What happened, von der? she asked. The miraculous four happened, I panted. What do you... Queen Songwake looked to the tree, then to the broken alcove window. You mean those thieves? Then Stormdreamer. But why? Why would they do this? They're your town heroes, I would ask you the same thing. They are the saviors of Mira, I owe them everything. Then perhaps they know something we don't. I walked over to the place where Stormdreamer and Tosca stood. Inside a small rain puddle, I saw a dash of the raven dust I had thrown. I dipped my hand in the puddle and scooped up a few flecks of the dust. I walked away from the queen, towards the manor gate. I would go to the Ebon Mist, to Isolde. I would learn as much as I could about the thing inhabiting Denarthi. And with Quinn's help, I prayed I would be able to find him again. Thunder, called the queen. Where are you going? To do my job, I shouted through the storm. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand and freesound.org. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofexeser at gmail.com.